0: Lord, be with you. And also with you. The continuation of the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, Jesus. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, "Teacher, we want for you to do for us whatever we ask of you." And he said to them, "What do you want me to do for you?" And they said to him, "Grant us to sit." One in your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? We baptize with the baptism that I am baptized with. They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand, or at my left, is not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they they began to be very angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord and over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But among whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ.
1: a new king comes into power and nobody knows much about him they're not really sure how it is he came to sit on the throne but he's the new king nonetheless and the subjects are anxious to hear what he will say and the very first edict he makes is to abolish the former taxation system completely abolishes it Well, the subjects are nervous because they're waiting for the reform part, right, the tax reform. They're waiting to find out what the new king will say because he's he's going to replace it with something. So they're waiting to find out what the new system will be. And so they wait and they wait. And the more they wait, the more anxious they become and the more frustrated they become and the more worried they become. And they start to talk to one another. Well, you know. Everything we've ever had before has been terrible. Even the good ones were terrible. And really what he's doing is he's just waiting to find out how much he can get from us. And so you just watch. Where we had 10% before, it'll be 15 or 20%. Everybody's getting very anxious. So tax day comes, the day that they're used to being tax day, right? It's sort of customary that in this kingdom, there's one day that everybody gathers outside of the castle and delivers their goods Uh, to the king. So the day that they know is the traditional day, they show up outside of the castle. All with their 10%, because that's what they knew before. The king before demanded 10%, so they brought 10%. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And they're grumbling. Why is he making us wait so long? Is he going to come out and be angry with us? What, how is this going to go? Why isn't he showing up? It's very rude of him not to open up. Why didn't were the gates open when we got here? I just want to get this over with. Why is he making us wait? And the king comes and stands out on the balcony of the castle and says, Why are you here? And they say, Well, it's tax day, and we're supposed to deliver you our Taxes. I mean, the, the, we've all brought 10% of our goods to give to you. And the king says, I, I thought I told you that we weren't doing that anymore. And they say, but, <laughs> but we're here. And they say, he says, that's nice. Take your stuff home. Go back home again. Go to your fields. Go work. Work. Whether it's a field or a business, whatever it is you normally would be doing today if it weren't tax day, go do that. Take your stuff back home with you. You're not supposed to be here. Totally confuses them. They take their stuff and go back home, but they, they, this just makes them all the more anxious. Because pretty soon the king starts coming out and walking among them. He's in their fields alongside of them. He even picks up a hoe every once in a while. When they're harvesting the grapes, he picks up the clippers. And he starts to walk among them and talk to them. He visits them in their home. He wants to see what their family life is like. This makes them all the more nervous. And they don't trust it at all. Something has to be wrong. So the story goes out. Ah, I see what's happening here. The king didn't have a tax day the first day because he doesn't trust it. The king is out among us to see how much we're really making. Because he doesn't trust us to give him an accurate count of whatever percentage he demands would be. So I see what he's doing. I got it. I got it. He's coming to see just how much we actually make. So when he does make his demands, he knows how much to expect so we don't shortchange him. Well, this makes them all the more angry, right? So when he comes to visit, they grumble. When he comes into their house, they try not to put their best out because they don't want him to know how much they really have because they're afraid that means that he's going to demand all the more of them. And so they don't trust it. So the next, next year comes and tax day comes. And word has gone out that the king is going to demand more than 10% of them, but they don't know how much it's going to be. And so word has passed from person to person, and they don't want the king to be angry, because they know that's what kings do, is they get angry and they punish. And so they all show up with 10 plus percent, and they're standing outside the gates of the castle, grumbling, furious, Because the king has seen just how much they have, how hard they work, and they're afraid that he's going to think that they've done more than they have, so they show up with even more. And they're looking at each other's things and saying, oh, no. We make about the same amount. He's got about 20%. I got about 15%. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be punished for this? How is this going to go down? Do I need to go home and get some more? I don't have any more to give. I guess I could give up this or that. So the king comes out on the balcony. Why are you here? It's time! Stay, This is the way this works. A king demands a certain amount. We give it to the king. We all go home angry. Everybody's happy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way a system works. This is the economy of the place. This is how this works. This is what this looks like. Just please take the stupid money and let us all be disgruntled. We're used to this. Kings demand we give You protect us, maybe. The king says, go home. Go home. Take your stuff with you and go home. I already told you, we have abolished the old system. Go home. Well, what do you think? Are they happy? No. No. So they go home. All the more angry, all the more frustrated, because they think, well, what now? So word goes around, you know, he's building a new dungeon. It's a really big dungeon underneath the castle. He's put extra fire pits in there to make it nice and hot. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're all going to be imprisoned there. Oh. Well, what are we supposed to do? I don't know. I just know that there's going to be a big dungeon and he's building it. Well, how much are we supposed to give? I don't know. But if you don't give the right amount, he's going to be angry. He's going to be angry. So they're worried and they're all the more disgruntled. So what happens, what do you think happens? Of course, they show up the next year. This time 50, 60, 70%. Their families are starving because they've set aside all the more to give to the king because they just know, they just know that he's gonna demand all the more of them because he's provided for them. This is the more confusing part. All that time he's been walking around in the fields and visiting in their homes, he's been giving them things what? What? He's been giving them things. When he goes and he visits a farmer and the fences are broken, do you know what happens the next day? He sends other farmers with fencing material and the fence gets fixed. They don't pay anything. They haven't given taxes. They haven't made their compulsory offering. Why is he giving them things? Why is he fixing that? He goes and visits a family, finds out that their milk cow, their source of income, has died, killed by a wolf. You know what happens the next day? New milk cow. But I didn't give him anything. I I haven't given him a penny. Why has he done that? Oh, I don't trust this king. I don't trust this. I have given nothing. He has not asked anything of me, won't accept anything of me. I haven't given him anything. Why is he taking care of me? The neighboring kingdom raises up an army, tries to invade. The king protects them all. Why? We haven't promised to fight for him. We haven't given money to raise up an army. Why is he doing this? We don't trust this king. This is not right. Something is wrong with him. Something is wrong with this king. He's not right in the head. Because this is not the way a king behaves. We pay through the nose. Then he decides whether or not he's going to do those things. Probably not. We're still left to fend for ourselves. That's the way a king works. Isn't that what Jesus says? You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. So the next year, they show up 50 60 70% of their goods. Angry as all get out. And the king says, what? Go home. Most of them don't. Most of them chain themselves to one another and then chain themselves to the castle. <laughs> king says, what? you doing and they said well we heard we heard that if we go ahead and our slaves ourselves to you now and imprison ourselves now you'll be more lenient on us later because of the big dun- dungeon you're building and the king says what um, what dungeon are you talking about well we heard we heard that a big reckoning is coming that you're going to demand more of us than we can give and that you're going to throw us all in the dungeon but if we beat you to the punch and go ahead and put ourselves in those shackles, that you'll give us less time in the dungeon. And the king says, that's insanity. And they said, but that's the way it works. This is the, um, this is the way it works. And the king says, I, I don't know how many times I have to tell you this, but there is no taxation system. I came to set you free from all of this. Why are you chaining yourself back up again? Because that's all I know. Because in my human reckoning, that's the way the world works. And I'm going to chain myself back up again because that makes me comfortable. Is that not absolutely ridiculous? Yeah. Yes, of course it is. Of course it's ridiculous. So why do we do it? Why are we those subjects? Why have we been in the history of Christianity, been those subjects? Christ came very clearly to say, I am here to set you free. I don't know how to say that any more clearly than I have. I have come to serve you. Your king is a servant, a slave, to set you free, to provide for you. Last week I talked about the radical subversion of God's economy. And how it's like on the day we're born, we're given every penny we'll ever make the whole rest of our lives. Like we're given all of that money on day one without working for it. That's what God does for us. That's the radical nature of God's economy. God says you you already have it all. Go outside. Breathe in the fresh air. It's already yours. Go home. See all the things that you have. It's already yours. Think about the life that you have the blood running through your veins. God says to us, it's already yours. God says to us, I love you. I gave you a cross. I don't know any other way to say it's yours. Without compulsive giving back, without anything owed, what do we do? We turn it into something owed. We beat ourselves up. Oh, God paid such a big price for us. We're so indebted to him. It's like somebody loaned us $2 million and we make a hundred a year. And that's the kind of debt, the crushing debt that we think that we're supposed to carry because God paid for it. But he's waiting. He's waiting to judge whether or not we've given enough, done enough, been enough, been faithful enough. And if we're not, we're going into the dungeon. And God says to us again and again, If that's what I wanted, don't you think I would have made it that way? understand a king that says to you you must give me 10% period and then I'll decide if it's enough god says to us i'm going to give you more than enough and it's up to you so what happens in that kingdom the next year the subjects show up some of them have 1% some have 2 some of them have 6 some came with 30 And the king steps outside and says, are we going to go through this again? Why are you here? I told you there is no taxation. They said, oh, no, no, these aren't taxes. We've understood the past year just how much you do for us. We've understood the past year just how much you give us, how we've been provided for, how you've protected us. This is just Thanksgiving. This is like a love poem of gratitude to you. We, we just want to show you that we see the work that you do in our lives. And so this is what we have. And we give it to you. And the king smiles. Says, you're understanding now, aren't you? Before you give it to me, I want you now to look at your neighbor. Do you see where your neighbor has need and you have more than enough? Give it to your neighbor first. If you've brought me a sheep, and you see your neighbor over there has lost their flock, go give the sheep to them. If you have something left over, come bring it to me. And then the king takes in what is left and stores it. And when anyone in the kingdom has need, that's where he goes and gives it. Through his love, through his example, he's shown them how to live. And out of gratitude for that, they've come with what they have, that it might be shared to make everyone's life better, to provide for one another, to make sure that those who are hungry are fed, those who have lost their livelihood find a new one. Not because they have to, because they want to, because their lives are filled with joy and gratitude and thanksgiving because they are free not because they've changed one set of chains for another, not because they've enslaved themselves to a new system, but because they finally understand that the king just wants them to be free to live, to understand the joy of being part of a community and a kingdom where love is the order of the day, not bartering and recompense. So brothers and sisters, why? Why do we insist on chains when the king again and again says to us, be free, be free and breathe, be free to go out into the world and see not the gifts you're trying to earn, but the gifts you've already been given. Be free to go out into creation and see what you already have, not what you're waiting to earn. And be free from any sense of debt, because there is none. There is only love and grace and abundance. Be free, my brothers and sisters. Choose not more chains, but instead abundance of life. Amen.